He sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the Word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Father, what an honor it is to be in your presence this morning. What an honor it is to be counted a worthy vessel that you have chosen to speak your infinite words, your words that are spirit and life. What an honor it is that you should entrust such words, such eternal words to a vessel of clay. I worship you and Lord, I humble myself under your mighty hand and I just ask for your grace to do your will. I ask for your grace to please you. I ask for your anointing that I will speak as the oracles of God. Above all, I pray that this word will fall on good soil. May our time here not be in vain, but may lives be transformed for your glory and for your kingdom's sake. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Please take your seats. Well, this morning... My task is to speak about the woman with direction. Amen. Amen. Now, you know, the Bible says in Titus chapter 2, when you read from about verse 3 to 4, shall we go there? Ladies, I pray that you will know the word of God because... That is what is going to get you through in life. Amen. It's not your makeup. It's not your hair. It's the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit. Amen. Are we in Titus chapter 2? Titus is not in the Old Testament, please. Verse 3. Bid the older women similarly to be reverent and devout in their deportment as becomes those engaged in sacred service, not slanderous or slaves to drink. They are to give good counsel and to be teachers of what is right and noble. Why? Verse 4. So that they will wisely train the young women to be sane and sober of mind, temperate, disciplined, and to love their husbands and their children, to be self-controlled, chaste, homemakers, good-natured, that is, kind-hearted, adapting and subordinating themselves to their husbands, that the word of God may not be exposed to reproach, blasphemed, or discredited. Amen. I know that in the 21st century, it may not be very exciting to say that we should teach the younger women to be, among other things, homemakers. Amen? Yeah. But the Bible is a timeless book. So when the Bible says that we should teach you to be homemakers, it means that I would think that such a duty should be in the home with mothers. But I believe that sometimes there's some default in our homes. So Paul is writing and saying to the pastor, let the older women teach the younger women, among other things, to be homemakers. King James says, keep us at home. And then adapting and subordinating themselves to their husbands. It may not sound so exciting. Adapting. 
and subordinating. He said, what about me? He has to adapt to me. We'll come to that. But that was just by the way. I'm just saying that there's a place biblically for women's meetings where the older women should teach the younger women certain things, including to love their husbands. I thought that you loved him before you married him. So how come now you have to be taught to love him? Because marriage is a journey and not a destination. And it is not always that your husband will be lovable. Or you will feel like loving him. What a shock. (laughs) So Paul says that you need to be taught to even love your husband. Among other things. Amen. But this morning, I'm supposed to be talking about women with direction, not so. (laughs) Now, who is a woman with direction? A woman with direction is also maybe a woman with a vision, just like you are ladies of vision. Amen. Now, if you say that somebody doesn't have direction, sometimes it means a person doesn't have counsel. Sometimes it means the person doesn't have a name. Or sometimes it means... The person has an aim, but is not able to progress towards that aim. She has lost direction. And before you can have direction, you must know where you are starting from. Amen? If you are in the east, and I know that where you want to go to is southeast, I have to know that you are east so that I will direct you southeast. Amen? If you are south, and I know that you are supposed to be headed north, I have to know where you are at before I can show you where you should be going. Isn't it? Yes. So every woman has to know where women are at before we will see where we are going to progress to. So come with me to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Amen. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. I may read it in bits and pieces. Okay. And I will put enmity between you and the woman. Is that what the Bible says? The enmity is between who? Now I want you to know something that when God was saying this, he wasn't talking to the woman. He was talking to Satan. God had come into the garden and he had seen what man had done, or woman had done, and man had done. And he said, what is this that thou hast done? Because I believe that he could see the broken relationships. He could see terminal diseases. He could see betrayal. He could see war. He could see damnation. He could even see death and loss of loved ones. All these things were brought through the fall. So when God came to the garden, he said, what is this that thou hast done? You think you just ate a fruit, but you have actually damaged the whole of humanity and my whole creation. That's what you have done. And so God begins to apportion punishment. So he says to uh, 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 Adam, from the sweat of your face, you will eat bread. He says to Eve, we'll read it, in, uh, you will have sorrow in conception. Your desire will be unto your husband. He will rule over you. And then he says to the serpent, and I will put enmity. At first he says that you will grow on your belly from now on. Maybe used to walk majestically, but he was cursed to now walk on the belly. He says that dust you will eat all the days of your life. And that's how come we don't have any peace in our lives. Because remember... The Lord took dust and made man. And so if the devil feeds on dust all his life, then that's why your flesh is always under attack. Amen. But he comes here to curse the devil. And he says, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shall bruise his heel. So this verse is not a punishment for the woman. It's a punishment for the serpent. And that shows that every woman is a formidable force against the enemy. 
But God says that he will put a certain special enmity between Satan and the woman. Part one. And then part two, between her seed and Satan's seed. So whether you like it or not, Eve ate the fruit and we are here today. And so although the Bible says in Revelation 12 that that old serpent, that deceives the whole world, that is Satan. But for us as women, we are his special target. We are his special place of attack. We are his special place of firing missiles. We are his special place of wanting to destroy us. But the good news is that we will bruise his head. Hallelujah. But many of us walk in life not knowing that Satan is even our enemy. Amen? And if it is a punishment for Satan, then God is saying that I will let the woman pepper you. Amen? In normal parlance, that's what it means. I will make the woman pepper you. The fact that God particularly mentions that there will be enmity between the woman and the serpent is very significant because he doesn't say that to Adam. God does not say that to Adam, that I'll put enmity between the serpent and you, Adam. He does not say that, but he says that to the woman. This should make all of us as women to be very, very alert. We have to be spiritual to know our God. If we think that we can fight with our own strength, we are lying. But God has given us the weapons we need, and we can rise up and be victorious. Amen, ladies? Therefore, every woman with direction must rise up and employ the weapons of spiritual warfare that God has placed in her hands. What folly it is when women don't take God seriously. How unfortunate when we only look to our husbands, our marriages, our careers, our beauty for survival. Can you imagine that you are going to fight a battle? Satan has come with all his weapons. Then you have come with your Mary Kay cosmetics. You have come with your eyeshadow. You have come with your weave on that it takes five days to do. That is what you are coming to face the devil with. The braids that take seven days. When you finish, you can't even pull your neck. You do this. They say, Mommy, who are parasitic? This is the reason why the devil keeps many women from serving God. Because he knows that our strength for survival comes from God. Because of this, there are many women who are spiritual and gravitate towards the Lord. Yet through marriage and related issues, many women are cut off from effectively serving God. Ladies, we have to remember that the devil knows that he will win the fight against us once he can keep us down spiritually. Because we are special targets of the enemy. I didn't say it. God said it. Now again, the seed of the woman is also connected to the devil. He says, I will put enmity between thy seed and her seed. And before you get the seed of the woman, you must touch the woman. Before you get the contents of a vessel, you must touch the vessel. Mercy. The attacks of Satan against women are multifaceted and multidimensional. But we must not think that we are at a disadvantage for being born in female bodies. Amen? But I pray that we will find who we really are. The spiritual seed here talks about whatever we will give birth to. And even in the Bible, we see that even the natural seed of the woman is constantly under attack, has been in the Bible. Amen? He wants to prevent anything spiritual from coming forth. When you look at Genesis 16, 2, 
You don't really have to tend to it. Sarah said to Abraham, The Lord has restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go into my maid. Rachel, Genesis 31. And when Rachel saw that she bare Jacob no children, she envied her sister. And she said to Jacob, Give me children or I die. Samson's mother in Judges 13 verse 2, the Bible says, And there was a certain man of Zorah of the family of Danites whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and bare not. First Samuel 1 verse 2, But Hannah had no children. Luke 1 verse 7, And had, they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. And even when Jesus is going to be born, there's so much controversy. How can there be a virgin birth? You are engaged to Joseph. How can you say now that what you are bearing is of the Holy Ghost? And the Bible says that even Joseph thought that I'll quietly put her aside because as for this wahala, I can't. This shows you that even Jesus' line and lineage has always been under attack. Because the Bible said that he will sit on the throne of his father David. And so even Saul trying to throw a javelin at David was supposed to kill him so that the lineage of Christ will not come forth. Amen, ladies. So if there's anything that you have to give birth to as a woman with direction, if there's any calling and any gifting, you must know that you are under attack. But you are under attack not to be afraid, but you are under attack to create an awareness and so that you get up and put on your spiritual weapons. There are many things that God does. His mercy, His grace, His favor, they are all things that we don't have to work for. Even the provision of His armor, we don't have to work for it. But He says, put on the whole armor of God. Some of us, we are in the battle, but we are wearing bikinis. We are in the battle, but we are wearing tennis outfits and swimsuits. We are in the battle, but we are dressed as if we are going for a jam. We are in the battle, but we wear those low things that expose the whole world. You see, once I went for a Christian concert, and there was a girl. Her dress was up to here. She shouldn't even have worn it. Either the material was not enough or I don't know. She was showing all the good of the world that she should keep for the man that God will bring into her life. And the amazing thing was that it was a very spiritual concert. And as the lady was speaking, this girl also got up and she knew every song on the album. I worship you, yeah, Jesus. I was very surprised. I was very, very, I said, a temple of God is dressed this way. How can it be? Anyway. Hmm. Amen. Amen. God used many women in scripture. And you and I can also be used by God. Amen. I'm told that your theme is do the work of fun evangelist. Amen. Another thing that God said to the woman in Genesis 3.16 was that, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children. When I first had a child, that's when I knew that the word of God is true. And I knew that hell must be real. And I knew that everything that God has said he would do. Hey! I cannot explain it. I've had headaches before, but it's not a headache. It's not the ache associated with the head. I've had stomach ache before. It's not stomach ache. And I believe that God has granted a way out of that by wisdom. He has given us wisdom medically to help because in time past, there was a very high rate of maternal mortality. Do you see? But now, they can even give you an injection. They say you won't feel it. 
But the people who have used it tell me that after that it wears off. I was speaking to one of our missionary wives last night. She said that, hey, I had a caesarean sister, mommy. It's not easy. And I said, oh, but the Bible has said it too. It's not easy. <laughs> so the woman grapples with childbearing issues. You may not understand it now. But when you go to Kolebu, there's a whole big section dedicated to our problems. Obstetrics and gynecology. Amen? And it's all related to this case. Amen. Amen. If you decide you are going to do epidural, you are going to do what? You will go into labor before they know that's the epidural. Do you understand? You don't understand. I was just like you. I was just like you. And I had a, a very simplistic view of life. But it's allowed at this stage. <laughs> So we need to apply a certain amount of wisdom to overcome this curse associated with childbearing. Amen. 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 So now when you're having a, a cesarean, they can even have uh, surgery. Sometimes you, you can elect to see what is happening or not to see. They'll give you anesthesia. They'll give you a, a syntocinin or something to ease your pain. If you are abroad, they'll give you ice cubes to chew, then they'll be rubbing your back. They'll say, count ten, and then breathe out. <laughs> All that is man's wisdom of helping us to overcome. Amen. I'm showing us where we are at so that we'll see where we are going. Amen. And then the second part of this verse says, And thy desire shall be unto thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. One thing you should know is that it is part of the case. A woman may be very learned. Sometimes she's even smarter than the man. She may even be better educated. Sometimes she may even be wealthier. But she always doesn't feel complete. And she's always looking for that man. And sometimes even as a pastor, when they come and introduce a person to you, you want to say that, ah, did you choose in the night? Did you not see? But you are not always allowed to say that. When they can say, did you ever meet my beloved? Is this your beloved? Yes. And lady reverend, we are very in love. Sometimes when you see some of these things, you know that the curse has happened. Your desire shall be unto your husband. And not only that, he will rule. He will rule over you. I can hear some of you saying, not, not in this 21st century. <laughs> you are allowed. You think that it's parliamentary de democracy and that it's 50-50 participation. And later on, when we don't agree, there'll be a casting vote in whose favor? Your desire shall be unto your husband. Come with me to Isaiah chapter 4. Because I think some of you don't believe what I'm saying. Isaiah chapter 4. Verse 1. And in that day, seven women shall take hold of one man, saying, We will eat our own bread and provide our own apparel. Only let us be called Mrs. Only let us be called by your name to take away our reproach of being unmarried. Seven women who will take hold of one man and all that they are asking him for, let us be called by your name. That's all. We don't want anything. So as for our bread, we'll buy it ourselves. As for our clothes, we can afford it. Do you know why? Because the 21st century woman is more empowered. She has learned from her mother that she has to be self-sufficient. She has learned from her mother and she has this fight in her. I'm not going to depend on a man. Lady Reverend, I'm going to make it on my own. Daughter, I can make it. So you get the apparel, you get the food, you get it. Oh, only let me be called by your name. Even if I'm number three, I just want to be associated with you. Even if I'm number four, I need it. 
If this is not a curse, what is it? Your desire shall be unto your husband. And you don't know that as your desire is unto your husband. You see, I have many mates. Some qualified as doctors. We all learned here from Volta Hall to Saba. From Volta Hall to Saba to have discussions. All of us are mates. We all had first degree. Sometimes we did better. We all went on to law school. My husband was in Legon Hall. He also go for discussions. He would do this, he would do this. So after that, you get married. Some of my mates, they are abroad. They got married. And then when they got there, the husband said, I want to do masters. And the wife said, oh, me too. It has always been my lifelong dream. Now the two of you, you also have a child. Who should do the masters first? <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> but when you are younger and you are dreaming, all those full stops and interjections are not in your mind. So I want to achieve this. After that, so I love to talk to young, pe young people. So what do you want to do? Oh, like the, the gentleman said, we are looking at the future president, and it is true. But there are also obstacles. But you will overcome because of the grace of God. Amen. 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 So some of my mates, they are doctors. Up to today, they haven't stepped in the hospital before. They are wiping floors. This one has vomited. They are driving to emergency. And they are what? Why? Because somebody has to stay at home to look after the children. Which of the two? Some of them have had to write New York bar, whatever. That, as they are writing it, they are holding the baby. When he vomits, they, they, they... I mean, even when we're in law school, in writing the paper, one of our mates, she was sitting there when her waters broke. And she even deferred that paper. Why? Because her desire is unto her husband. He is ruling fully. Look, you don't have to tell them that, take your place, be until they just climb. Especially this desire for the husband that has caused many women many problems. Because after they have found the husband, they still find out that you still are a needy person. You may be married to the perfect man on earth, but no man has been made by God to be your all in all. There's nothing like that. That God has created some Adam, and then he's looking for his rib. He's looking for his rib. And then when he met, he said, oh, come. You just fit in there snugly. Oh, how wonderful. All that is true. But a man can love you as much as he wants. He can give you as much as he wants. But you will never find satisfaction in just that. Because God has made us to be people who are spiritual. To be people who are hungry for something. And it cannot be that one human being that God has created can meet all your needs. It is a myth. It is a dilemma. And it's going to end you up in problems. Amen, ladies. How many of you are surprised? Tell the truth. Amen. If a man was able to satisfy everything in your life, then you don't need God. And God will never make somebody just like him. He will not. He will not share his glory with anybody. You have married a good man. There's nothing wrong, but it's Christmas time. You say, in my house at Christmas, we put up a tree. He says, in my house at Christmas, we go house to house to visit people. Then you say, no, but we should have the tree, and it should be quiet, and we shouldn't invite anybody. He says, I'm people-oriented. Every 25th, we rather visited family. So you are not wrong, he's not wrong, but there's a big chaos in the house. It's just human upbringing, perspective, whatever. It's not that you are not Christians. It's not that you are not holy. It's not that you are wicked, but it's just the reality of life. Amen, ladies. You are too quiet, though. So he said, he, he, he didn't come. When he said he would come, he didn't come. It's true that he should come. But he has been doing that for the past two years. 
Every time he goes somewhere, you are looking. When will he come? You're not married, though. When will he come? Even the learning, I can't learn. Hey, your parents have paid fees. <laughs> and because of some boy who doesn't even bath, you are saying now that you cannot learn. I know that some of those things are emotional and natural. But when it crosses a certain line, you have gone too far. And you have depended on a human being too much. It is no wonder that many of us women are in mental hospitals. Because in the place of God, we have put human beings. We have put human beings on the throne of our lives. We have trusted more than we even trust God. When God says that, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever, I say, mm, will you really? But when that boy says that, I will marry you in March next year, you believe it more than you believe the word of God. Of course, a relationship is built on trust. But come with me to Esther chapter 4, verse 11. Amen, ladies? So in ladies, in saying this, I'm trying to say that don't look for happiness in a man. Don't look for happiness even in things that you have. Things that, those things don't last. Real fulfillment comes through your relationship with Jesus Christ. Real fulfillment comes through serving God. Amen. Can't you see that when you put on even the news, there's no hope? Everything is so... It's only Christ who is the answer. Esther chapter 4. All the king's servants and the people of the king's prophecies know that any person, be it man or woman, which shall go into the inner court to the king without being called shall be put to death. There is but one law for him, except him, to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter, that he may live. But I have not been called to come to the king for these 30 days. Who is speaking? <laughs> Esther was the most beautiful. The Bible says the king loved her above all women. The Bible says that when it was her, her wedding day, it was a public holiday. You, your wedding day, everybody goes about what they have to do. The Bible says that the feasting was for days, and the king sent gifts to people. You, your wedding day, you always bring that your gift table. Some people will pass their small. This one, they rather were given gifts. You know, there was no love like that. And yet, in the same palace, staying with the same man for 30 days, she has not seen him. If Esther was so beautiful, Esther was so favored, Esther was so loved, and yet it came to a place where the king had not spoken to her for 30 days. Not that he has traveled or gone on a crusade, or he's there. That shows you that you should not build your happiness on a person. Even whether male or female, you cannot do that. God uses relationships to bless us and everything, but it cannot be your all in all. Some of you in your heart, when you are even singing praise and worship, you are singing it to that boy. I'm desperate for you, oh Kwame. And I, 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 I'm lost without you. You are not lost. Amen, ladies. Before you knew him, were you lost? You had a life. Your life is Jesus Christ. I'm blessed to be married to a wonderful man. But he cannot give me eternal life. Sometimes you yourself, you don't even understand yourself. The only person who understands you is the Holy Ghost. Ladies, you cannot find your happiness or look for it in a person. The Bible says, cares to see who puts his trust in man. I'm not saying don't trust, because without trust, you cannot build a relationship. But we set up ourselves for disappointment upon disappointment. And we end up at mental hospital. Because I used to be in a group, the Friends of Ankafo. It was a group I joined. Whenever I went to the female section, the men were there for drugs. But the females, oh, Peter. Peter. Oh, John. John. It's true. I believe that emotionally, we are made that way. But we shouldn't allow it to get us off the bend. <laughs> We look for God in human beings. 
and we create little gods in our lives that cannot bring us anything. And that leads to no direction. So the first way to overcome that curse is not to look for fulfillment or happiness in any mortal. Amen. Even you, you disappoint yourself. You say, oh, at 2 a.m. I'll wake up to study. You sleep uh, when it's 5. You say, hey, I didn't hear the alarm. You have disappointed yourself. So why do you think that any human being, including yourself, is capable of taking care of you? Only God can take care of you. And don't use your life as an experiment. Chester Woodyer, you have become the guinea pig of this life. The laboratory is life, and then the guinea pig is you. And all the things that the Bible has said, you don't want to walk in it. You say, Lady Reverend, when I experience it, then I'll know. Look for fulfillment in God. John 4:34. My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Amen. Amen. Jesus' way of being fulfilled was to do the work of God. Amen. So when he says you do the work of an evangelist, God is actually uh, what? Doing you a favor. Because if you didn't have any purpose or anything to do in this life, your life would be very miserable. <laughs> but you can be very fulfilled in the work of God. I'm married to an evangelist. First of all, I was married to a pastor. No, I was married to Brother Doug. <laughs> then he became Pastor Doug. Then he became Bishop Doug. Then he became Evangelist Doug. And on the way, he had already become Dr. Dag. Now, all these changes. I was used to having a pastor husband who is at home. At least, even if he goes out to minister, he comes home. Then as you are walking on the journey of life, at a certain point, I think God has called me to hold crusades. <laughs> really, where? Oh, his vision is everywhere the door opens. But... Um, I will start from Ghana. So he starts from Ghana. He starts from Accra. He says, oh, no big deal. But as you are going along, he's called to Burkina Faso, to Guinea-Bissau. As soon as he leaves Mali, there's a war there. He goes to Nigeria. There's a bomb scare. Boko Haram. This. He's been to Nigeria nine times. What are you going to do? He's not home. You are there. Will you? I miss you. Will you come? Tag. It's true, my sister. You will weep buckets. Because he also has to fulfill the call of God. But thank God that I found something to do in his service. And thank God that my meat is to do his will and to finish it. And thank God that he found it even worthy to choose me that I should make a difference in people's lives. So that as he goes preaching, casting out demons, I can also even be on my knees. I can listen to a great message. I can honor a preaching appointment somewhere. I can encourage the people who are discouraged. I can speak into people's marriages. I can touch lives. That brings me fulfillment. Amen. It is not that your emotions will be buried and you become some hard words, eh, let him go. No. Your emotions are still there. When your husband comes home, you are happy. But you are not a disgruntled wife who is looking through his messages. Eh, let me see. Wait. Hey. Are you his personal Holy Ghost? Or you are, as my Nigerian friend would say, a spiritual policeman. And all those are signs that we haven't found fulfillment in our lives. Amen. Amen. You won't build any other relationship. Your only relationship is your husband. How can that be? When he's not the one to... When you talk to your girlfriends, they understand. And you shouldn't talk to any just girlfriend. Some people give ungodly counsel. So you should talk to people who fear the Lord and love the Lord. But I have friends who can call me 
Charles says, Mommy, this week, why don't we go to this restaurant and be happy there? I said, oh, yeah. What time? 12 o'clock, I'll be there. And then we go and we talk. We talk about challenges. We talk about joys. We talk about what God is doing. I come back refreshed. Sometimes even the time will go and then they'll be calling you from home that where are you? Amen. Amen. So a woman with direction is somebody who has found her place in God. It's somebody whose identity is in God. Your identity is not in your status in society. Your identity is what Christ has made in you. The Bible says the fullness of the Godhead dwelleth in God and we are complete in him. You are not going to be complete when you are married. You are already complete in Christ. That's a whole different message. I have a whole long teaching on that called identity crisis. And since I can't preach it here, I will entreat you to get it. Amen, ladies? When you study the word of God, I don't know about you, but when I study the word of God, I get excited. I say, wow, what a word. Wow, what a revelation. Sometimes I go to the office, I said, you know, this morning, the Lord just brought this verse and he said, blah, blah, blah. All my friends call me, I have friends all over the world, real genuine friends that I started with from secondary school or even from here, and they're still my friends. Amen. Amen, ladies. You may not be an evangelist, but God is calling you to do the work. Do the work. Do the work. Do the work. For whatever you sow, you will reap. My life is enriched by the harvest fields, the places that I have sown without knowing. As I was sowing the seed, I I, I didn't know I was building relationships. I didn't know I was building blessings, but it has come. As somebody is going through a difficult time, and I just go to the person's house, and I say, you know, sister, it's very hard, but the Holy Spirit is a comforter. He said this, he said that. With time, you are building relationships without knowing. As you lead people to Christ, you enrich lives, and you change lives. Life is not only about academics. It's good to be excellent in everything you do. But after you have achieved all, then what? Only Jesus Christ can satisfy. The woman of the well, she had been through five relationships. Some of you are like that. You didn't like John because he had a bad body order. After that, you went to Patrick, he didn't care. After that, you went to Leslie, he was too self-centered. After that, you went to Robin, his parents didn't like you. And you are looking, looking, looking. One day, I will find my Joseph. You will find your Joseph, but your Joseph... Is a man of clay just like you. Your Joseph is not a perfect man. Your Joseph will break your heart sometimes. Your Joseph will disappoint you sometimes. Why do we set up ourselves that way? That's why your husband calls you and says, I'm coming home so that we go for this function. I should be there by four. At four o'clock, he got to circle. A big truck has broken down there. He's in traffic. He doesn't come till seven. Why do you put your trust in somebody who is so subject to traffic? (laughs) But Jehovah, the King of Kings, is not subject to any such thing. To any such thing. So it's not even that the person is malicious, he has a bad mind, there's nothing like that. But every man has his limitations, and so do you as a woman. Amen, ladies? And if you're going to look at people, oh, like me. Oh, say good things about me. Oh, ask politicians. Today you are up, tomorrow you are down. You may even found a party the next time they are sucking you. That is man. Amen, ladies. How do you put yourself on a wishy-washy? Do they like me? What do they think about me? If you are going to follow that, Jesus said, who do men say that I am? Peter said, some say you are Elijah. Some say you are one of the old prophets. I said, but you, who do you say that I am? He said, thou art the Christ, the son of... That shows you that people want to describe you in various ways. Some will say you are Elijah. Some other people will say you are another prophet. And then somebody else says you are the son of God. Which one are you going to take? You must take what God says about you. And that comes from meditating on what he says about you. If you are going to show, find your identity in what you wear, hey, fashion changes all the time, oh. 
You are going to find your identity, your education, educational qualification. That's not who you are. You are a blood-bought child of God. You are a woman with vision and direction. You are somebody that God has a plan for. God has put a gift in and a calling on your life that you must answer to. You are a woman with direction. That's who you are. People like to describe you with your past. Oh, this one, she was a slut. Even when God has forgiven you, you have moved on. Don't you see in the Bible, when God has done a work on people, people still call them by their old things. The woman with the issue of blood, she touched the hem of Jesus, the blood dried up, but they, they still call her the woman with the issue of blood. Who doesn't have issues? <laughs> blind Bartimaeus, he was healed of his blindness, but we still call him blind Bartimaeus because man does not acknowledge what God does. The prodigal son, he came home, but we know him as the prodigal son, not as the son who came home. Because man's description can never describe you. It's God's work in your life that makes you who you are. Amen. It's more important to be a child of God than to be Mrs. Heward Mills. It's more important. Because what God does is eternal. It cannot change. Amen. But you want status, you want titles, you want position. It's the world system. Romans 12 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, changed. How? By the renewing of your mind. A woman with direction renews her mind. And she renews her mind in accordance with scripture. And I'm ending soon. Hallelujah. Some people, even when you go and preach as a, as a woman, I've gone to preach somewhere as a woman, and a man went out and sat on the veranda. He said he doesn't listen to women, but he will listen on the veranda. Is it not the same? Whether you sit in the hall or in the veranda, you are. When the woman is preaching, hardly will a man be preaching, and then they'll be looking at his hair, his shoes, his this, but a woman. Oh, and there, and there, and there. Are you going to take your identity from how people respond to you? When you go to a room, when they say, oh, hi, Adelaide. Then you say, I'm a nice person. And then when they don't look at you, you say, I'm not so likable. You are going to define yourself by how people react to you. That's not God. Even Jesus' identity was in question. They don't want to recognize you as a child of God. They want to say you are something else. Hallelujah. But you have to look into the perfect law of liberty. You have to look at what Paul said in all his epistles. In him you are this. In Christ you are this. The fullness of the Godhead. You have to meditate on it till it becomes a reality in you. And that will propel you to your God-given vision. Amen. How does the woman with direction find her vision? By being obedient in seemingly little things. By being obedient in seemingly little things. Amen. Jesus' apostles, when he called them, they didn't know what they could do and what they could not do. He gave them many menial tasks that people sometimes don't want to do in the work of God. He fed the, uh, the 5,000 with the 12 baskets and the disciples who took it around. Some of you would have said, I thought it was a lady's job. But the apostles did it. And when they finished, he said, collect all the crumbs. They did. And when he was going to do the Passover, I said, Peter, go. You will see a man in front. Tie the camel and bring it. He said, since when? I've always been a fisherman. Since when did I start to uh, tie camels? Some of you say, oh, I want to be an apostle. You don't just get up and be an apostle. You become an apostle by sharing bread and collecting crumbs. My husband says the only job that starts from the top is grave digging and well digging. But every job starts from somewhere. And you never know what God will make you. I have a, a bit of a problem with charismatic teachings that, you know, you must position yourself and then God will... A lot of it is might. The Bible says it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by His Spirit. I think it's faithfulness. Faithfulness to whatever God gives you. Always finding something to do in the things of God. Just faithfulness. Because when I started ministering to women. There were just five women in a television classroom behind NTC. And by the grace of God, I can say with all honesty that I never prayed that give me an international ministry. 
Give me a large crowd to preach to. I don't care if I go to a meeting and there are two people. I will preach up as if I'm preaching to a thousand. Amen? And God gradually, gradually built that ministry and made it intercontinental. But it wasn't my mind or my vision. Even Lighthouse, when it was started, it was started with five people. And never in any of our prayer meetings did we pray that, make us this. You, you can't even, you see when the Bible says, uh, um, God is able to do far more exceedingly that we can imagine or think of or even ask him for, it is true. Because even your prayer topic does not reach what God will make you. It's just faithfulness. Faithfulness and loving God genuinely. Loving God for the right reasons. Loving God for the right motives. Not so that I'll be seen. Not so that men will give me applause and praise. But so that I will please him. Paul said, if I yet pleased men, I will not be a servant of God. A woman with directions is somebody who seeks to please God. Because it's God who has the direction for our lives. And he knows where he's bringing us to. Amen, ladies. Now the Bible says that he will put enmity between the serpent and the woman. You overcome that enmity by rising up to use the spiritual weapons that God gives you. When you look at Ephesians 6, it talks about all the weapons and much more in other parts of the Bible. Helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The shield of faith. The preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, we don't even prepare the gospel. When I ask you, come, witness to this person. The best you can do is to invite the person to your church. You don't know how to lead people to Christ. You don't know even how to share your testimony. The blind man said, I was blind. But now, I can see. All that Paul spoke about all the time was his encounter with Jesus. On the road to Damascus, what testimony do you have? Why is it still within you and you haven't spoken it? How can you find direction for your life? Amen. It was 